You are listening to the Life, Hope, and Leadership Podcast with Nick Shabrinsky, a transparent, honest, and encouraging podcast to equip you through real-life experiences. Hey, what's up, fam? I am uh, super glad to jump on this Life, Hope, and Leadership with you. Um, I just literally recorded one last night at midnight. I put it up called It's the Pits. I hope you enjoyed it uh, because life can suck sometimes. That's just the reality. And uh, you got to get past the suck. You got to get past the pits of life. And one thing I did not say on my last uh, podcast was if you plant the pit, you can grow some fruit. So sometimes if you learn how to sow the struggle, man, you'll be shocked at what comes out. But today I just wanted to talk for a few minutes on revival. There's a lot of questions going on about Revival, uh, Asbury College, and it just blows my mind. You know, I was expecting to hear like the atheist or the agnostic or uh, or the opposing religious sect to be like, what is this monstrosity? And then sadly, the only negative, <laughs> the only negative content that I have have read about the Asbury revival that God is is meeting with people in a chapel. The only bullcrap that I have heard has been coming out of the Christian world. The freaking Christians. And they're like, well, is this revival or is this not? Is this of God or is this not? And people really, they really are just so hateful. And I want to just take a few minutes to hopefully help you understand a couple things about revival. Now, I will tell you this. I am not a revivalologist. I don't study revivals. I study the Word of God. I don't study uh, pastors. I study the Word of God. I am not the type of person who's going to go stand up and talk smack on another church, another denomination, another pastor. I do not consider myself the Jesus please. And I don't understand how we have become a society of my opinion matters. It's bullcrap. It's freaking annoying. And it is a, it is intoxicating a society with this driving under the influence of your freaking opinion. Now, it's cool to share thought, and that's what I love about the word university. University means to find unity in diversity. I love that. I think that is amazing. University is literally a place where we can be unified under diverse thoughts. But that's not the problem happening. What we have happening is the very same thing that got Jesus crucified. It was a bunch of people who wanted to pick him apart and said, hey, well, we don't like how this is happening. We don't know how. And here's the reality. For years, people have been begging God, God, pour out revival. Lord, send revival. Lord, send it now. A move of your spirit. Heaven, break out. Come now in power. Cover this land. As you've done it before, won't you do it again? So we cry out for revival. <laughs> we cry out for revival. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of people get in for a chapel service, and the Spirit of the Lord breaks out where people say, you know what? We're not going home. We're just going to stay right here. And now what you have is a bunch of pharmaceutical spiritual people. And look, I get it. I'm all about it. Like, hey, we, oh, we want to make sure it's not, not you know, something, blah, 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 blah. But let's just talk about what revival looks like. Let's talk about what revival even means. First of all, revive means to take something that was dead or to take something that was without energy, to take something that was without power and to empower it, to give it life. That is revival. 
somebody dies, you, you do everything you can do to revive them. I sadly have been in the circumstances and situations where people have died in my hands. And I have done everything I could do in those moments to revive them from CPR to uh, pumping a chest to just laying hands on them and believing God. And it is traumatic. It is a painful thing. And how much more for the Heavenly Father to look down at the body of Christ, the church, and to see a dead church. And then we say, Lord, if you can, if you would, would you send revival? Second Chronicles 714, put it in the comments, type it on anywhere you're listening, whatever. Second Chronicles 714, the Bible says, if the people who say that they belong to me, if those who are called by my name will humble themselves, lower themselves, get off their freaking high horse, if they would stop seeing themselves as bigger than they are, if they would not try to be the big thing, the big shot, but they would submit to the big shot, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, pray. Now, what does prayer sound like? Prayer is song. Prayer is thought. Prayer is words. Prayer, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Seek my face. I will seek his face. What will you do? I'm going to seek his face. My people who are called by my name, humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from the wicked things that they have been doing. Now, you also have to remember that Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, he experiences the presence of God and he says, God, not only do I repent on behalf of my sins, I repent on behalf of my whole community. Father, I am unclean and I am a man of unclean lips and I live among unclean people. People, So we see in Second Chronicles, if you're called by my name, you'll humble themselves, they pray, they seek my face, they turn from their wickedness, then, come on, say it, then. So this is an if-then situation. If you do it, then I will hear you from heaven, I will forgive your sins, and I will heal your land. And so the Bible's telling us, pray, seek my face, turn from wickedness. Pray, seek my face, turn from wickedness, and humble yourself. And what is humbling yourself? Well, I'm tired, but man, I just don't want to leave God's presence. I'm going to submit to that. Man, I want to go home. I want to eat some chicken. I think I'm just going to stay right here and sing and praise God. Okay, so the Bible tells us, humble yourself, pray, seek my face, turn from your wickedness. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive your sins, I will heal your land. Now, I want you to understand something about me. I got saved in 1996, and my pastor, who was not my pastor yet at that time, but in that exact season, I had a pastor who was praying for 40 days and for 40 nights, fasting 40 days, 40 nights, water fast with uh, some vitamins and supplements. And he was praying for revival. And in that same exact season, there was a revival breakout in Toronto. It was called the Toronto Blessing. And in Brownsville, Florida, it was called the Brownsville Revival. Now, in revival, I do want you to understand a couple things. Number one, all revivals will have what we, we're going to have to, let me see. I actually typed it a little bit earlier. And I just want to see if I can reiterate it the way that I wrote it because it made sense the way it came across can, so here's someone asked me, they said, hey, pastor, what do you think about this? And this was cool. They, they weren't talking smack. I said, listen, I said, I, I, I'm considering just what this revival is doing. I was saved in 96 in a great revival. Truly, things were happening that can only be 
uh, accredited to the Spirit of God. Out of all revival, this is what I want you to understand, out of every revival, some people are picking it apart as it's happening, but the reality is out of every revival, there will be fruits and there will be frauds. So coming out of this Asbury movement, whatever, however long it lasts, however long it is, there will come out of it good and bad. But the problem is, is people want to sit here and critique and judge it. And that's what they did to Jesus. They're like, well, we don't like the way you look and we don't like where you came from. And you don't match what we're looking for. You don't seem like what we would want. And so because of that, they said, crucify him, crucify him. Not only just crucify him, but we would much rather have Barabbas than Jesus. And so what's happening is you have all these Christians, little freaking Mr. Mrs. Know-it-alls that need smacked in the face with the Bible. They just need to shut up. The Bible says you are God. I am man. Come on. The Bible tells us. So then when we're with him, let our words be few. We have become too much chitty, chatty, talky, gossipy, negative, disgusting, vile, contaminated people. And we have become cursers rather than blessers. We have become gossipers rather than givers. We have become greedy rather than generous. We have become angry rather than accommodating. We have become uh, bitter instead of forgiving. And it has to stop, church. So this podcast is strictly for the church. This is for Christians. Shut your mouth. If you ain't got nothing nice to say, like mama always said, shut your freaking mouth and just go pray. Just pray, ask God, God, let the good of this be good. Bless it, pray. Now people are like, well, well, I haven't heard any pastors and what are the leaders doing? And I haven't heard anybody preaching repentance. Sometimes you don't have to preach repentance. In fact, the Bible literally says that the goodness of God calls men and women to repentance. The Bible says that the spirit of the Lord convicts us of sin. You have people in an atmosphere where maybe the very worst thing that can happen in certain outpourings is for someone to get up and start running their mouth. Just shut up sometimes and let the Spirit of the Lord do what only the Spirit of the Lord can do. Now, people are going to be mad at me. Oh, that's heretical. That doesn't make sense. Okay, so here's what I said. Out of every revival comes fruits and frauds, good and bad, but I believe that what is happening is of God. How else can we explain thousands of people coming from all ages, from all regions, crying out on their knees day and night, singing worship to Jesus? They're not singing worship to other gods. They're not saying a bunch of stupid spiritual rhetoric. They're speaking and declaring the things of God in the name of Jesus Christ. So here's what I said. However, as leaders, because the Bible calls us to oversee, we must now lead it well. So I just want you to write that down. You have to lead well. God wants to do something significant. And what I want you to understand, if you're listening to this, is whatever God is doing in Asbury or anywhere else in the world, he's not doing it for a geographical location. He's doing it for the outpouring of the body of Christ. So whatever God can do in Asbury, if we would just open up our lives, doors, and get on our knees, he very well may do it right where we are. People go to the place to experience it, but really God wants what's happening in the place to spread like wildfire. Someone, someone just type wildfire. Give me that little wildfire emoji. So I said this, here's what we need to be careful. We must not try to hold this revival longer than God has sent it 
And we must not try to shut it down prior to the Lord wanting to keep moving in it. Now, let me show you what the Bible says. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, it's my prayer every single Sunday. It is in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 5. You have to understand the book of Chronicles was written to the Jewish people to understand the power and the hope of things to come even after some of the greatest oppression, strongholds, and struggles to God's people. 2 Chronicles chapter 5, here's what the Bible says in chapter 5, bada bing, there it is. The trumpeters, the musicians, the singers, the, the, the praisers, they joined together in unity. I want everyone say it, unity. Type it, comment it, write it down, put it on your forehead. Unity. What is God looking for? He's looking for an undivided church. The Bible says, The musicians, the praisers, the trumpeters, they were in unison in order to give praise and thanks to Yahweh, the Lord, our God, the Lord, our God, type it, the Lord, our God, accompanied by trumpets, accompanied by cymbals, and accompanied by other instruments, the singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord, and they sang. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endureth forever. It's actually what they sang. Now, we turned it into people from every nation and tongue, from generation to generation, we worship you, right? So the Bible says, Lord, you are good, your mercy endures forever forever. Then, oh my gosh, are you ready? Then, the Bible says this, then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud that not even the priests could get up and perform their service because of the cloud, the glory of the Lord that filled the temple of God. So what does revival look like? Revival is when people seek his face, they humble themselves. They turn from their wicked ways. They repent. God hears. God forgives. God heals. What does the physical manifestation of revival look like? The trumpeters, the musicians, the singers, the praisers, the cymbals, the instruments, the writers, and the priests are all in one accord that nobody even had to do their job because the Spirit of God filled the room. What is our job? That after the Spirit of the Lord has filled the room, we allow the Spirit of the Lord to fill our hearts and we take our hearts to other rooms and we let the Spirit in our hearts fill that room. Instead of criticizing what God is doing, we need to say, yes, Lord, whatever you're doing, do it in such a way that when people leave Asbury, What's in Asbury goes home with the people. Let me read a couple verses to you in the Bible. Matthew 18, 20. Wherever two or three are in my name, there I am among them. Acts 2, 42. The people devoted themselves to the teachings that they had been given from the apostles, and they started hanging out and fellowshipping together and breaking bread and, and, and committing prayers to, to God in unity. 
And that day they were together in one accord that the Spirit of the Lord fell upon them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. In other, in other tongues, the gift of Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord was poured out. Come on. It's in all book, the book of Acts. Hebrews 10, do not neglect yourselves together. Some have become in the habit of doing so, but encourage each other, one another, to continue to gather, to stay, to stick around. Get that stick around spirit. That's what we need. And check this out. The Bible says, James 5, 16, Therefore, come together, confess your sins to one another, that you may be healed, because the prayer of the righteous will availeth much. The Bible says, Philippians 2, Complete my joy by being in the same mind, having the same love, being in one accord and in one mind. The Bible says, All of these devoted themselves in prayer together, together in Jesus, in unity. If we walk in the light as he in the light, we'll have fellowship with one another. You know, one thing that always bugged me, my mom, I, man, I miss my mom. She passed away five years ago. But one thing my mom would always say is we'd get together for Christmas or birthdays. And before we could even open the gift, my mom would start to explain the gift the way, I wish I had more money. I would have got you this. I wasn't sure what you wanted. So I just ended up getting you this. And I looked at my mom. I said, mom, stop critiquing the the gift. Let me just open it because I love you. And I know that whatever you are giving me is good. I know it came from your heart. And people, I want you to understand, don't critique the gift that the Father is pouring out in Asbury. And listen, if you think your Twitter job and your Facebook job and your Insta job and your TikTok job is to critique what God is doing, then you are just like the sons of of Korah. You are just like the division that stood up against Moses. You are just like those who tried to belittle and pick apart Jesus and all of his prophets. And you really need to take a dose of humility and realize that it is not your job. Now, the Bible says test every spirit, yes. But the Bible does not tell you to cause people to stumble. The Bible, in fact, says that if you cause a little one of his young people who don't have the ability to discern between the the passion of your tweets and your Facebook posts and your comments, people who might not be theologically sound enough to be able to discern between what you're trying to ask and what you're actually saying, the Bible says it would be better for you to have a stone wrapped around your neck and thrown into the deep waters than for you to cause one of his little ones who are pursuing him to stumble. So I would tell you, and that's sad because I'm not even sure if this is going to make a hill of beans difference for anybody, but I'm going to encourage you, you know, Christians, pastors, leaders, what if you just shut up and stop talking smack on pastors, on ministries and on outpourings, and instead went into your quiet place with the Lord and said, God, whatever you're doing, let it be cared for. Let it be nurtured. Let it be protected by good overseers and prophets and evangelists and teachers. Father, move mighty over Asbury and move mighty over us wherever we are. There are hundreds and thousands of people crying out to experience God. And while you could be doing the very same thing, so many are just criticizing and bashing and saying, well, what's your opinion? The greatest plague to what God is wanting to do right now, I truly believe, is opinions. Shut it down. Humble yourself. Pray. Seek his face. Turn from your wicked ways. So this is a special little thought. The Bible calls us to be in unity. The Bible calls us to worship and pray. People are like, well, they're just singing songs. Then sing songs in the name of Jesus. And stop 
pushing people away from what God is wanting to do just because it doesn't look like or it doesn't feel like or it doesn't fit into your theological makeup. That's all I have to say about that. You are listening to the Life, Hope, and Leadership Podcast with Nick Shabrinsky, a transparent, honest, and encouraging podcast to equip you through real life experiences.